Well, shit to bed, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Shelby Green. I'm your host, the main man, Shelby Green. Excuse me real quick. Swig of Pepsi for the working man out of the tumbler. Mm, that's good. Just just got uh, back from the gym, and yes, I know I'm having a Pepsi, but man, I'm thirsty. I'm craving some sugar. Um, <laughs> you see, you've heard this rambling. I just ate me a couple of footsies as well. Fruity, fruities, um, fruity, fruities, fruities, whatever the hell they call the tootsie, the flavor tootsie rolls. One of my favorite candies. So, as you well know, we're going to talk about the, um, the. I'm going to give you a full spoiler review of Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumanium, <coughs> aka um, Ant Man 3. Full thoughts on that film today. Um, if you read my uh, post on my, my non-spoiler review on my Facebook page, on my podcast page, um, you know I basically thought the film was a dud. I may have changed my opinion, I may have not, but we're going to roll the dice here. I'm going to give you my full thoughts on the film. Why do I think the way I feel about it and everything else? Because my opinion hadn't changed on it, to be honest with you. Um, that being said, uh, obviously you know I was supposed to have a guest today on the show, and unfortunately... Uh, my buddy Kyle Perkins could not make the show. He had uh, basically him and his wife had a dog they've had for over ten years, I believe. And unfortunately, the dog passed away. He had to put it went to it basically it, his dog did pass away, and they don't have any children or anything. So basically, that pet was their their family. And um, I told him the no worries about coming on the show. You know, keep your head up, buddy, whatever. I'm always here for you. That being said, also, I was supposed to have a guest for Elimination Chamber, my buddy Abdul Darwish, who I am a big friend of. But, you know, obviously, Abdul, last minute, like always, lets me know he's changed plans. He's going somewhere else. So, Abdul will be on the show later today whenever I feel like it. Just saying. And he'll probably hear that, like, what the heck, man. But I really don't care. So, um, plan is simple. Before I get into the, uh, the whole... Um, spoiler review of Ant-Man, the Quantumanium. I want to talk about the NBA All-Star Weekend um, first. Um, if you wonder why my um, voice is so low right now, I'm just, I'm kind of, um, I got a lot of going on. Um, busy day and stuff. I didn't sleep much last night, so I'm very tired. But I got a lot going on today, so I'm getting this recording out for you guys. Keeping that podcast street going, I'll make it 11 weeks now, Transistor. If you go on there, you'll see it. Um... Watched our, um, obviously Saturday night I had to work, but I paid attention to it. And also, I have not watched Elimination Chamber, as you know may know. I did, um, I did, I know the results. I did watch the main event. I am going to watch the show in its entirety tomorrow, and then come right in here if the show's over and give you guys a full review of that, of that, a full review of that, and my thoughts on where to go with WrestleMania. And that's what's going to happen. Um, before anything else, I want to thank everybody who supported this page, who has supported me and has been um, a big help in ideas and sending me uh, things to do on the show. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me, guys. Um, we've been through a lot together. Um, you know, my face, the Facebook community has been very helpful promoting. I just found out the other day that my podcast is coming as an advertisement on Facebook. That is um, astounding. To hear that, and that makes me feel really, really good that we are war- that my hard work is coming. And obviously, I have a team around me. My girlfriend's been very supportive. My dad's been very supportive of it. You know, um, yeah. <clears throat> so, voice is a little, uh, little uh, um, low this morning. I'm trying to get it up for you guys, but like I said, I'm very tired. I just left the gym. Um, NBA All Star Weekend. Um, I didn't watch. I had the three point shootout and the uh, dunk contest recorded. Um, 
came home that morning, decided that, um, you know, why, what the hell not, I'll watch it this morning, and went in my room, laid in bed, turned on direct TV stream on my phone, and watched it, and I will admit the three-point shootout was good, I mean, it is what it is, and the dunk contest, congratulations to Mac for winning the damn thing, and good for him, man, he's one of the best sleepers in the G League, um, it just sucks, man, because I know Mac did his thing, and I get it. But at the same time, I'm sitting there going, like, it would be very nice if he beat some stars. I mean, think about this, guys. To the NBA star level, your your dunk contest was won by a G-leaguer. A G-leaguer. Think about that. Guy makes $120,000 a year, and he made hundred grand last night on Saturday night winning the dunk contest. I mean, that's pretty damn impressive. Um, let's be honest. I, I would love to see like guys like LeBron, Ja, Donovan Mitchell. Um, who's some other leaper? I like to see Mikael Bridges get in there. I like to see some guys that, that are athletic enough that can do some things. I mean, I watched Jericho Sims do the same dunk over and over again. It's like, really, dude? What are you doing? But Mac did some really cool shit. I mean, every once in a while you'll get like in the dunk contest, we'll get the outstanding performances. But I just, you know, I just wish that, you know, the dunk contest would have made the game. But I'll be honest with you guys, and I mean this, and people can feel the way they feel about it, and I really don't give a shit. Steph Curry, and this is where I'm going to go with this, Steph Curry has single-handedly ruined the game of basketball for some people. Ever since Steph Curry started shooting these long bomb threes and making it, the only guy in the league that can do what he does, and outside of Steph, but it's not the best, is Dame. Damian Lillard can can he you know Damian can pull it from thirty and make some shots. He's not a volume shooter like a Trey Young or some other guys or a Jordan Poole who I think is a volume shooter. Guys like that. Because the dunk contest should be the most exciting thing about All Star Weekend. The All Star Game was the greatest pickup game in the world. We love the All Star Game, bro. And guys, it was they had some freelance have fun, but man, they got real, they got really competitive. And then I watch, and then of course I watched the All Star Game the other night. After getting back from the movies and seeing Ant-Man and the Quantum Man, and I'm watching guys go up and down the floor. And I'll be honest with you, they live in here in Indianapolis, and I know the All-Star game is coming here. I get it. I might not go next year. After watching that, I'm like, nah. Because I want to see the greatest players in the world have the greatest pickup game in the world. That was what the All-Star game was meant. Yeah, East versus West. You, they're even picking teams now. You're picking teams now, making it exciting. Like, you, you got, you're picking teams now. And it's like, wait a minute, What? We're picking teams now, and you guys just run up and down the floor? I, I don't get it, man. I don't understand it. I really don't. I feel like the um, – I don't like the fact the NBA got superstars sit out on games. I can't stand that. It, it pisses me off. You want to sit out a home game? I understand, man. Home audience is there. I get it. I understand it. You know, you can watch them on TV. You can come every often. But guys on the road – Tell the kid in Salt Lake City, Utah, that his parents have to scrap up to make sure they can afford a $100 nosebleed seat ticket to see a certain superstar, and they sit down. Tell the guy here in Indianapolis. Tell a guy in Chicago. Tell a guy in New Orleans. Tell a guy anywhere in the cross this Hell, go up to Canada and do it. It's like, what the fuck? Unless you have a an injury that hurts you and you cannot play, you can you need to sit. 
I really believe, and like Richard Jefferson did a rant on this one time, and he said, um, on, on he goes, we didn't have all the transparency we always played. These guys are listening to medical doctors or anything else. It's like, you need to sit out. It's good for your health. No, it's not good for you. That's why guys tighten up all the time. Look at Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard would sit out so many games and do all this and do all that with the Clippers. What happened in the playoffs? What do you do? He tore his ACL, didn't he? I believe he tore his ACL, didn't he? The same when you sit out, man. Your body, you know, sometimes your body cannot, your body can't handle that. You get in the grind of a playoff series. You're playing seven games. You're playing a seven game series. You're playing a game every other night. You know, players bitching about back to back nights. And you got Greg Popovich and his little candy ass out here talking about how, oh, we need to, you know, we need to lessen the strength of schedule. Blah 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 blah. Well, you know what? Your revenue is going to go down. The contracts might go down from that. The NFL is the NFL players wanted more money in the NFL with the hard cap rule of their hard cap, so they added another game and they added another playoff team. It has you got to find boundaries. Sports athletes are becoming very entitled nowadays, and it sucks. It really sucks. That's why I appreciate guys like Kobe and Jordan and KG and guys like that and Shaq, guys like that that who are physically. Just didn't give a fuck. Even though Shaq in his later career got didn't take himself seriously and keep himself in shape. Cause let's be honest, that GOAT debate would include Shaq, LeBron, and Jordan if there was one. If Shaq because when Shaq had it when Shaq was right for three years straight, think about that. He was the most dominant player we've ever seen. I know Wilt did his thing, I get that, but what Shaq did at that time, oh good God. You couldn't stop him. I remember that. I remember the that Shaq and Kobe era. I remember it. Some of y'all talk about it, I remember it. And let me, and saw this 10 years ago was a message I got on my phone. Well, sorry for you, you have to be a party pooper, sir. Um, but yeah. I just, I just, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like a negative Nancy and back in my day type of guy, because I'm not. I'll be 30 here in a couple weeks. I just hate that guy sit out. I don't understand it. You're making millions upon millions of dollars. You're, you're making investments. You've got more money in investments now than anything else off your contracts. Why are you worried about missing? Why do you think, well, I don't want to play tonight? What do you mean you don't want to play tonight? Like when LeBron and AD set out against Brooklyn a couple weeks ago when KD and Kyrie were in Brooklyn still. It's like what a month ago. Like It's like, what the fuck? Like, why? I guarantee when national TV lights are on, their asses standing, though. They're there. I can't stand. I, I, I just think I just don't like it. I just don't like it. I'm just, I'm just, I'm to the point where it's like, I love the game of basketball. I love college ball. We can talk about. And by the way, the reason why I haven't talked about Louisville in the last couple of weeks, I'm saving a big mega episode at the end of the year about Louisville basketball. My thoughts on that. And also, I'm gonna do a big March Madness tournament special with a bracket. I got, a, I got a beautiful idea for a bracket. Whatever. Um, I just don't. I just, I just feel slighted as a fan that I'm watching guys sit out. I'm just feel, I feel slighted. You know, I watch Pacer games when they're on, or I watch the Bulls on Valley Sports when they're on my TV. I watch them, and, you know, I just don't like guys sitting out, man. It, it drives me fucking crazy. You know, guys used to take pride in playing through injuries and, you know, playing harder, and just, it just I don't get it, man. I watched Kobe tear his, his, tore his Achilles and make two free throws and send the Lakers to the playoffs against the Golden State Warriors one year. You think Devin Booker, those guys, are going to stand there and do it? Hell no, they're not. I just don't believe – I just don't like it, man. I don't like guys sitting out. I don't like 
to the fact that everything is now what's well, not it's just an all-star game let's not be serious about nobody's actually be serious we're actually actually out there going being competitive competitive and being serious are two totally are two different things in some aspects like why can't we go out there and play the greatest pickup game in the world i go out to tech with a bunch of grown-ass men i work with on a freight dock and we beat the shit out of each other to some extent but we know we gotta work we gotta work but we play hard there's difference you watch guys sitting there lollygagging around, ding and ding, ding, and anybody out there defending it that has a problem with me, guess what? Fuck you. I don't care. It's my opinion. Since when in this world has it been a problem with somebody having a different opinion than somebody about it? What, what is the problem with this? Ever since 2020, everybody's had a problem with somebody disagreeing with you. Why can't we just meet in the middle and say, all right, you don't agree with me. All right, whatever. That's your opinion. That's I got my opinion. We're fine with that. Tell you what the problem, I mean, just people are just so damn sensitive nowadays. And, you know, I, I was telling my steps on this the other day. I said, it's okay to disagree with somebody. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't take heart that heart somebody disagrees with you. That's the thing. You just can't let that ha- let it bother you. It's like, Jesus. A guy can walk in and tell me, I'm not a Louisville fan. Okay, that's your opinion. I don't care about your opinion. I know what I like. I know what you like. That's fine. But don't come here and try and tell me why I shouldn't like this or like that because I'm going to tell you, well, just go fuck yourself. I ain't going to let to listen to your bullshit. That's the way I am. And I've always been that way. And I'm never going to change the fact who I am or what I stand for or what I believe in. I got told by somebody one time, goes, you live in Indiana. Why don't you root for an Indiana sports team? Well, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. That's the difference. I mean, if you understood that. Like, I'm from, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm not from here. Why would I root for anybody from Indiana? It's not knocking against anybody. I like watching the Pacers. I'm not a fan of Purdue. I'm not an IU fan. I'm not a Ball State fan. I'm a Louisville Cardinals fan. And the reason why I root for the Steelers, my dad grew up as a Steelers fan. Back in the 70s when you grew up, you were a Cowboys fan, you were a Steelers fan, and you had some Bronco fans back then. That's the way it was. That's the way it was. Because, I mean, let's be honest. Nope. I mean, down there, growing up in Louisville, I mean, you had the Bengals maybe, but they weren't a popular franchise at that time. Cleveland Browns, nobody really cared about it. It was the Steelers and the Cowboys. And, the, and some Broncos were a lot of fans. That's how you grew up. That's why you see a lot of old heads. They're like Steelers and Broncos fans. That's why I'm a Steelers fan. I mean, I hate this. Now, I am a Reds fan, unfortunately. And I don't talk a lot about baseball because I have a lot of issues with the game of baseball, Major League. Not about the players or anything. I just I don't like the Hall of Fame thing. I don't get it. I mean, I know the whole thing about Rose and McGuire and Bonds and all of them, Clemens. I know the, they've done some things. I get it. But we all look at this. Major League Baseball knew about it. And until Major League Baseball admits that, because we all know they did. They knew about it. They fucking knew about it. The game was on bullshit. The game was having issues and everything else. The game was having problems. And we all know what happened. The game was on the 1994. Everybody knows we had a lockout season and everything else. And what happened? 95, 96, look what happened. Things start picking up after that, didn't they? Just saying, man. I mean, that's my biggest gripe. And people say, oh, so you're condoning cheating. No, I'm not condoning cheating. I'm condoning what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. I'm condoning the fact that Major League Baseball knew about it. And those guys should be in. And Pete Rose, I'm gonna make this real clear. He wasn't involved in that. But let me tell you something about the gambling thing with Pete Rose. Is I'm getting, I'm gonna go on a tangent here, and I'm gonna get into the subject of the day. I'll make this real clear to everybody out there. Pete Rose should be in put in the, the, the should be in Cooperstown right now, being honored as the player that he is. As a manager, no. He bet on his team to win. He never bet on his team to lose. As a player, you think the guy like that's going to bet on his team to lose? The guy in an an all-star game in the early 70s took out a catcher to win a game-winner run in an all-star game. 
By the way, the guy was one of his best friends. Went to dinner with him and his wife the following the night before that. That's who Pete Rose is. You think that guy's gonna go out there gamble on his team to fucking lose? Give me a fucking break. You assholes and you Einsteins out there don't have a clue what the fuck you're talking about. Reading the between the lines, look things up. I'm just in a I'm just in a funky ass mood today now. <laughs> oh boy. Alright, so so here's what's going on in the world of my world right now. Obviously, we got a lot of things coming up. Obviously, we got Creed 3 coming up here in a couple weeks. We got Scream 6 coming up here in a couple weeks. I have nobody playing for Scream 6. I had a buddy of mine, Travis Jabbar, who hosted Horror and Flying, Horror Flying My Friends, a podcast, which was strictly about a horror horror, horror movies. Excuse me. It's like a, I can barely get that out now. But for some reason, I checked my... Um, I checked my... Um, this thing on pod, on I looked it up on Apple the other day because I like I haven't seen any updates on it. I thought I maybe thought am I did I not have I quit following them? And and as I'm and as I was sitting there looking at it, I realized that for what I saw, <clears throat> here it is. So pull up a. As I saw, he hasn't had anything updated since December 19th of last year. And I, you know, I read that Travis's dad's had some health problems and my condolences and, you know, my prayers and thoughts are with his family right now. Um, Travis has also got over 100 episodes on the show. He probably just got burned down and said whatever. But I I did message Travis and ask him. He didn't respond back. No problem. It is what it is, man. I appreciate you putting me on the show twice. I appreciate it. I just thought I'd offer the extended hand. He's got stuff going on, man, and I'm fine with it. I get it. You know, he's a little burned out. Maybe he's a little burned out or whatever. I haven't talked to him, but good for him, man. You know, do what you got to do, brother. Nothing wrong. So I do have an opening for that film. I might just do it myself and just give you my thoughts on the whole thing. I do have a big thing where like a Scream Meg episode where I'm going to give you, and this is what I was, I was going to, you know, give you a, review, a full spoiler review on the film, and I was going to rank the franchise as well that day. Just have a little fun with it and do my thing. And then, of course, um... I got um, Creed 3. I got my buddy Wes coming on the show. He's going to come on and do that with me. Also, I have AEW fans. Okay, AEW Revolution is coming out on my birthday. And I do have a plan to watch that that watch that pay-per-view. And I do have a plan for Price, my boy Trip, to come on the show and, you know, him do it as well. We're going to give you a full review on that. We're trying to get the schedule down with that. I might just go solo on that as well. But right now, I do have a guest plan for Creed 3. We're going to work it out get it done. But anyway. Um, so let's get into the, our main event of the day. Ant-Man and the Quantumanium. So, as I read my test messages. Alright, let me pull this up, guys. Um, by the way, like always, if you want to hear your questions asked and answered on... <clears throat> You have your hear your questions asked and answered on the show. Just email me at greenshubby0310 at, at gmail.com. Send the send the top of the email hashtag askshelbo, and that's A S K S H E L B O. Hashtag askshelbo anything, and I'll answer your questions on the show. All right. So, as you may know, this is the third film, third Ant Man film in Marvel Studios. 
And obviously, you know, there's a little bit of buzz in the comic book world. Phase 5 has now officially started with Marvel. And I'll be up front. Phase 4, I was just dull. I was just dull with the fact that we just did not get this thing right where... Um, that we, I just did not, you know, phase four just is not, just didn't feel right. I think also part of the reason was 2020 with COVID. We didn't have anything new release come out or anything else. So we kind of just stayed platooed. And I think Marvel has suffered from that. But I also think being a year at home, a year away from the movie theaters, I think fans are starting to see the thing I've been saying about Marvel the last four or five years, that it's becoming redundant. That It's like the same film over and over again to the point where it's like, whatever. Um, and it's not a knock against Marvel. They're good at what they do. But at the same time, you're going to hear as I go on with my review that sometimes you need to, you need to switch some things up. And I'm going to mention something to them at the end of this too. You, you guys will agree with this as a go, I believe. So the film is a... Uh, so we... we um, as I found out that we were going to get King the Conqueror in this, he, he was the ne- he's the next big DC villain, so... Obviously, they're gonna they bring him in this, and we're thinking, okay, think okay, we're going we're going to see Kang. We're gonna we're we're getting Kang the Conqueror. Hell yeah, let's go, baby. Yeah, and anybody who reads comics knows how much of a Kang. Kang is maniacal. He's vicious. He's a conqueror. He conquers worlds. He kills people. So, as you may know, so the film opens up. You see that Jane Van Janet Van Du, <coughs> Jan, Janet Van Du, uh, aka. Um, A.K.A. Um, um, who is played by Michelle Pfeiffer, excuse me. She's in the quantum room. She's dealing with these big beasts, these ugly looking creatures. And she encounters Kang. And you see Kang and, and they see. And he's been, you know, he looks at her before the open credits goes, what is this place? And obviously. And as. And as you see that opening, it goes to the open Marvel thing or whatever. Present day, we we then we jump to present day, and basically, because obviously we know Janet was in the quantum room for a long time. So Scott Lang is, uh, um, you know, he's doing his own narration about his life and reading his book as it, and he's got a book now. He's a employee of the century, Baskin Robbins. I don't know how many flavors there are, but Baskin Robbins is really good ice cream. And you got uh, obviously, you know. They got that going on. Then you turn around. <clears throat> excuse me. You know, he's living with hope. And, you know, then you find out that, um, uh, you know, they're living a good life. Hope is taking over her dad's business. And they're thriving. They're striving. Everything's going well. And uh, uh, and then we jumped and find out the Cassie. And I'm going to get into um, Cassie in this as well. Uh, you find out her daughter. She's a teenager now. She's a political activist, and she is in the. She spent some time in jail. She's bailed out by her dad. Basically, finding out she was dealing with something, and um, they they you know they have a little back and forth in the car, and you can see Paul Rudd who plays Scott Lang. Paul Rudd's comedic timing is really good. He is very funny. Um, now I will let this know too, as the film goes on. They put more focus on Cassie in this film than Hope, and I understand why, but it felt like Hope... It's, I mean, the name of the film is called Ant-Man the Wasp. You felt like you would get more from Hope in this film, and you really don't. So there's one of the negatives I had, or mixed aspects. Cassie, though, her character arc is in this, you know, she's trying to... They give her some line delivery where she's trying to be funny going back with her dad, and it just does not stick, in my opinion, to the point where I'm just like, okay... 
They're trying to be funny. This isn't going to work this way. Let's not do it like this, blah, 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 blah. And, of course, Cassie, um, uh, excuse, me, <coughs> excuse me as I cough. So they go back to the house, and, you know, Hank Pym and Janet, they're all sitting there having dinner. Janet and uh, Hope are having a little conversation about the quantum realm, and she goes, well, they just, Janet trying to doesn't, can't, Janet prop just basically lets it go. And then Cassie believes that she is uh, working on a device that has contact with the quantum realm. And Janet goes, you you did a device. And Janet kind of has a panic look on her face, but she's kind of optimistic about it. And then she says, I've been sending a signal down there. And Janet flips the fuck out, basically saying, turn it, turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. She turns it off. And honestly, she shuts off the device. But the message received, and but the message becomes received. And then, of course, the portal opens up, and it pulls all of them to the damn realm. And... And, of course, they, Scott and Cat, and, I mean, visually it's cool. They're going through the realm. They're going through the craziness of the realm, blah, blah, blah. Scott and Cassie, um, Scott and Cassie are in the find by, the, like, a native tribe or natives. They're found by them and who basically you, you later find out that this tribe, you think, okay, are they working for Kang or whatever? You find out it's actually complete opposite. And then Hope and General are exploring or exploring the other cities the sport in the sprawling city to find and get answers and Hank is what's going on she goes there's a lot of things I didn't tell you and she goes I'll explain we just need to find out and of course as you go <clears throat> as you find out these these creatures or these people on this planet are, are speaking a different language and I thought this was cool how they have to drink this red ooze to understand what they're saying in English I thought that was really cool that they did that and another thing I didn't like was Cassie, her dad's like sitting there fighting Cassie, like, Dad, just drink the ooze. And there's no point about this ooze or anything. And then they start talking, they, they're people, blah, 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 whatever. And then, of course, we find out Hope and Janet and Hank end up meeting with this guy named Laura Cryer, 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 who is played by the great Bill Murray. Bill fucking Murray! Hey, get that Zombieland shout out in there. And you find out that he's an ally of Janet's, and he reveals things have changed as he, since he's left. And she goes, and uh, basically she goes, what happened to you? And you find out that he is now working for Kang. And you find out that they're eating, as they're eating, the Kang soldiers you find out later in the movie, they are, they are, um, they come to, to kidnap them. And Bill Fonpas him goes, give us a minute. And he explains, he goes, just give him what, just give him what he wants. And then they have a big fight. And that's, they, the, and all the Langs, the Langs end up, um, excuse me, uh, Hank, God dang it, Hope, Hank, and Janet end up escaping in a big battle. Nice little battle sequences, and they roll off. Now, here's where I get. Lord Crowley, you find out about him. He's with Janet. And basically, he is a human on this planet, but he's not really, he doesn't, they don't really go into detail about it as I hit my microphone. And... You go back and forth, you're thinking, okay, like, what are they setting up for? There's obviously some, and you start thinking, is Michelle a bounty hunter? I mean, a Jan is Janet, is she a bounty hunter? Is she a criminal? What is she? And while that's going on, the Langs are, they meet the level Rebel Lear Genitora. And I really like this character. She's battle-tested, she's angry, she's pissed off, and they, she goes, 
their their find out where she is, and she says we're looking for this girl named Janet, and they tell her who she is, and she goes Janet, and she goes you should she shouldn't be here, blah 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 blah, and you find out uh, as the rebels, <clears throat> basically you and I go back, Lord Cryler lets them know that there is something that's going after Scott and Cassie, and you find out as it goes up, it's Modok, and this is where I'm going to bitch. And moan about this movie. Modoc's original presentation's introduction is awesome. The way he looks with his his, you know his um, his as I rub my eyes as um, his whole presentation with the the chrome the his chrome suit and everything. That's how he looks. And then as soon as he lifts his fucking face guard up, as I call it, you see who it is. It's Darren Cross from the first one, and. It's the worst fucking CGI I have ever seen in a Marvel movie. And I literally groaned in the theater. To the point where my girlfriend goes, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And then it's awkward. Him and Scott have a conversation. Him and Cassie have him And Cassie have one, and it's just horrible. Just horrible. Like It's just like Darren's trying to be funny and be a smart aleck. Him and, and Scott and Paul Rudd, is. it looks like Paul and him didn't even have chemistry on screen together. It just was not worth a shit. Oh, my God. And he says, You're, he goes, my name's not Darren, I'm Modoc, and they go crazy. So the big battle happens, and obviously the Langs are taken to Kang. And you find out that... Uh, as, as they're taking the king, we go. I believe we go back. As I'm trying to remember, we go back and we're on at the ship that Hank, Hope, and Janet stole. They find Janet tells them the story about how she knows Kang, how they came face to face. She helped him. She nursed him. He was injured, and she showed him his machine, his ship that you can go through time anywhere you want to go, and everything else. And his ship, we crashed there on that planet. And he he was stuck there. And she did, and they helped her, and she finally figured out how to make it work. And she, as well, you see them, Janet and Holt and um, Kang, are having a, not a romantic relationship, but a friendship where they're talking more. And they're, and I thought this was really put well together, how they were talking back and forth with each other and everything else. So I'm watching it as I'm watching this. I'm thinking, okay, you know, she is. I'm thinking, where where's the swerve? Like, there's got to be a swerve in this. And as soon as Janet fires, they get the machine where she fires up, she touches that box that has his memory in it, and she sees what Kang is, and she believes he's a monster. And he goes, I kept my promise. And Kang is being persuaded. He goes, I kept my promise. I will give you, I will send you back to your daughter. And Janet freaks out, and you see Kang's true power. Now he goes off, and he just fucking starts, you can't win this, and Janet blows up that device. And it she finds out as she was touching it that Kang was exiled there by people who we do not know. So we go back and you meet Kang and Scott Lang have us for their first appearance together. And Kang is like, it's pretty persuasive that you need to, you need, we need you. I need you to give me my power core back so I can get out of here and conquer things, blah, blah, blah. And Kent and Scott goes, nah, we're not doing it. And also, uh, Paul Rudd does a little good thing here with his little, I'm Avenger, blah, blah, blah. And Kang responds, like, which one are you? I've killed many of them. So you see, Jonathan Majors is just so good as Kang in this, guys. To the point where I'm like, hell yeah, this is good. And this, I feel like this is where the film picks up. You get that thing with Janet 
where Janet has her thing, her issues and everything else. And with Kang and how she she can't believe she let up she fit, fixed a monster's machine and she was able to escape. She goes, I spent years battling against him and fighting against him and everything else. And then you find out that um, <clears throat> excuse me, Scott is um, Scott is, is in Kang other competition. He says, I'm not helping you. And Kang says, either I you help me or I'm going to kill Cassie. And Scott goes. I don't think so. In case like, don't do it. And then Kang basically uses a fourth method, a force message to basically just, just, just to, to, just to hurt them. And and Scott finally agrees. So it was good. Then you find out they take him to. And also, by the way, in that scene, Modok interrupts Kang, and Kang basically flings him a wall. Goes, did I ask you to speak? And he goes, nope. Basically that. So it felt like a Star Wars scene with Darth Vader in that, so I wasn't very fond of that. Even though I know Kang's powers, I get that, I understand it, but I'm like, you couldn't, you could have done something else with that. It's like, Jesus. So, they go to a, as a yard, they go to a, <clears throat> they go to where the, his, the time thing is, and, and they and uh, Scott goes down there, and they do this thing where it's like your mind goes out of control, and you see multiple people. Hope finds out; she gets a signal that she gets down there. They grab the thing, and Kane comes down there and goes, "We had a deal." And he goes, and Scott goes, "Where is Cassie?" And fucking Kane reneges on this deal, and he captures Janet, and destroy and <clears throat> destroying her ship with Hank on it. But Hank, you find out, is really rescued by these ants. And basically you find out, Hank explains that the ants were pulled into the quantum realm as well, and they kind of grew and aged like thousands of years, which I thought was pretty cool. And Hank announces he's going to help Scott and Hope make their way to King. And Cassie ends up getting out. She rescues Genitora, and they they commence an upspring against Kang's and his army. Like they're gonna they're gonna uh, like they're gonna get this thing rock and rolling. They're gonna do this. And basically, uh, Here's where I get issues with Cassie. Cassie gets on the screen and she does like the, they do, they got this hologram where Kang is gonna announce he's gonna conquer the world and everything else and all this other good stuff, and she breaks the signal somehow and she goes in and says, like she goes, I don't know what to say, like uh, uh, like a teenager panicking, but the way it was delivered, it was just it just felt flat. Then they get in the scene, they break everybody out, and they're having this big-ass fight. And the first thing I thought when I saw, because visually this film is is nice. Like, visually Marvel God, but the thing I kept thinking about, like, it feels like a Star Wars film. It feels like a Star Wars film as I'm watching it. This, and I know they're in space. I get, it's, the quantum room is technically like a, like a space of a different planet. I understand that. But the scene where Cassie and... And Jernatara and the rest, of those, the rest of that rebellion is running across their bridge. It looked like I was watching the rise of the Skywalker again. The battle scene in the third act. You, you guys, Star Wars fans, I don't know what I'm talking about. It felt like that. And then I turn around. And then as you're watching this, uh, Modok is sent after Cassie. And they're going back and forth. And Cass, they have a scene where Cassie basically gets the one up on Modok. Gets the one up on him. He falls down. And next thing you know, he's like, "Come on, come back and fight, come back and fight." And Cassie goes, "You don't have to be, man, have to be a dick." And they Marvel tried to do a serious moment and being bring humor into it. And this is what I can't stand was when Marvel tries to go too far with their comedy, and it just fell fucking flat. 
it felt flat, man. It just felt flat, in my opinion. I'm like, okay, I'm saying, like, oh my god, I'm about to pull my fucking hair out. So, of course, and they get in this big fight where um, Kang puts his portal thing down. Used to lose. He's trying to let go of the portal. He's trying to leave, and went bringing his army with him. And next thing you know, <clears throat> as I yawn again. Scott shows up, Ant-Man, he's ginormous, and he fights through, and he stops that shield, and he destroys it, and the power core is destroyed. And then Janet steals the power cord, steals the power cord, and next thing you know, um, Kang uh, shows up on the plane, goes, he, and he does his fired-up speech about, I am Kang the Conqueror, how dare you, and he fucking starts wiping people out like a badass that he is. And, of course, the Wasp, I believe it was the Wasp, and yeah, it was the Wasp, the Wasp, Hope, I mean, Wasp, Ant-Man, and uh, Cassie start fighting, and he's just making it look easy, he's just flicking around, and while it happens, Janet ends up fixing the power cord, and they they believe they got Kang to a point where they feel like they've got him, something, I can't remember how it happens, oh, that's right, um, Modoc, they, they trap him or whatever in a way, and Modoc ends up, um, Say, my name is Darren, and he runs into him, and they kind of blow up with the ants and everything else. It's like, okay. And then, of course, something happens where Kang is blown away, So, and Darren ends up dying, an Avenger. It was just like one of those death scenes. was like, this is flat. This makes sense. And now, Paul Rudd was good in that scene. Very funny, but it was just like, it just felt flat, man. I'm just thinking, God, let's uh, just be serious for the moment. Not everything has to be Deadpool. And uh, they go up, and Janet restores power court, and they fix a portal to go home. Hank goes through, Cat, Hank goes through, Cassie goes through, and Hope goes through. And then all of a sudden, Kang comes out of nowhere. He grabs Scott, and Kang, with all his destroyed, how everything's destroyed, he just commences to beating the living shit out of Scott to the point I'm thinking, this is Kang the Conqueror. We're getting Kang the Conqueror. He goes, he goes, and the, there was a good line in this where Scott goes, Kang goes, you think you can beat me? He goes, I don't have to win. We just both have to lose. And you think the portal is shut. And then all of a sudden, Hope comes to her. She uses her little beam ray gun she's got. She she hits him. Kang falls back into that power cord. And he disappears. Like he, he's like, he's like killed or he's disappeared or whatever. And the next thing you know, um, they re, Cassie reopens the portal and they return home. So, in that third act, while I did think visually it looked good, third act, for one, felt like a Star Wars film. It ended like a Star Wars film. And it felt like the same fucking Marvel setup as everything else. Let's be serious with throwing some stupid-ass humor in the middle of it and everything in the middle, in the end of it. Let's let a badass villain, like King of the Conqueror, who makes the first appearance, get fucking blindsided the way he did. It's, it, I'm, I'm sorry. It would have made more sense if they blindsided King and left King there. And his power core been destroyed where he can't escape somehow. And you save it for a later film. But no, you basically have Hope just show up out of nowhere. Bing, bing, bing. And he falls back in this thing and he's done. I don't care if a suit's damaged. I don't care what's done with him. You know damn well, if you read a comic, he could kick both their asses like that. And it was proven that. Just, jeez, release, man. Ugh. And of course, they go home and... Scott's narrating the end of it, and he's like, well, he was killed, was he not? So they leave out the, like, he didn't say anything, he didn't die, bad things were going to come, blah, 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 blah. He resumes his life. 
And remember, he started well, out and, and he ends it, and that's the end of the movie. Now let's talk about the mid-credits scenes. You see the thing where, if you read the comments, you know there are numerous variants of Kang, and they discuss the, the they're discussing the Conqueror's death, and they plan their uprising, and they they increasing the interest in the multiverse, and they end up showing there's hundreds, thousands of Kangs. So you know they're gonna keep it, and then in a post credit scene you see Loki and Morbius, and Mobius, from, from <clears throat> obviously the Loki show, they find another king variant named Victor Timely in, on the in the nineteen hundreds on Earth. Okay, so here's my thoughts: the mid credit scene or the post credit scene, I could have done with one or the other. You want to lead to Loki on TV? I understand. Or do you want to lead us the fact that we got number? I understand. Or the numbers variance came, but we didn't need. We could have got something else. There could have been something else where it meant more. And I be honest with you guys. After watching that theater, and went home. I said, okay, it's a it's a solid Marvel film. I give it a seven out of ten. You know, I didn't think it was that bad as everybody thought it was because you know critics were bashing in, and the audience was kind of split on it in some form or fashion. Then I went home and slept on it. Woke up the next day, ready to review, and as I sat down and started thinking about it, the more and more I thought about the more and more I started not liking it. And I'll be honest with you guys, I felt like the Cuban I thought the main cast was fine. I thought the supporting, there were some support characters that were good. I do think that Scott Lang, uh, Paul Rudd, Scott Lang is good. Hank Pym is kind of in the background, and I get why. Michelle Pfeiffer got a lot of screen time. I understand that. Cassie Ling, I'm mixed on. I need to see more of her her character art wasn't the best of this, but I also think with time it could be better. But Hope, the reason why I'm, I'm disappointed with Hope's performance is because it's named Ant-Man the Wasp. Ant-Man and the Wasp. What? I mean, if it was just named Ant-Man, I'm fine with Hope not having a big role, but she didn't really, I mean, she was in some big key elements, but it didn't feel like she was, she felt like she was just a, like a character in the middle. And then another thing, like just the Kang was presentation. Kang's presentation was great, and everything else. But that last third act, I'm like, really? I know he's injured, but come on, man, seriously. And the presentation of Modok, I just could not stand. And the fact that I felt like it was a Star Wars film, and it looked like a Star Wars. Story wise, it felt like a Star Wars film, and visually, it felt like a Star Wars film. So on a scale of one to ten, I'm giving it a five point five, and I'm going low with this. I'm gonna give this a five point seven five out of ten. I just feel that way about it, and I, I feel strongly about it. Now, maybe I'll rewatch it on Disney Plus when it comes out in a couple months, and I'll feel a different way about it. But I'll be honest with you guys, I don't think so. I'm not very fond of it. Um, as being, as, I like the, the first two Ant-Man films that are very solid movies, but this is a dud, man. I did not expect this. I thought for sure that, okay, Phase 5, they'll get back on track, they'll do the right things, and it'll be all right. And I mean this wholeheartedly as well with that. And... It starts out with a dud. I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is my favorite thing that Marvel's done, with the Guardians of the Galaxy, that first was my favorite movie. I really, really, really thought that we were going to land on a high note and Marvel's going to get back to where they were, and hell yeah. And they left a dud. It was just a dud. And it just, man, it sucks. It sucks because I really thought so. So at the end of this, at the beginning of the review, I stated that I said... No, but Marvel has kind of done the same thing, same story. Because, you know, and I was leading to they have had no competition. <laughs> and I know Warner Brothers, DC has tried to do their thing, and Warner Brothers has fucked them around for years. And now with the whole regime of Discovery, merger, changing things, 
James Gunn is now the head of DC Studios with Peter Safan. I stayed before on my Chapter 1 You Say episode, the whole thing with, with this. And I expressed my excitement because I pray to God that DC comes out swinging and makes them hungry. Makes Marvel hungry because Marvel's just like we're bored, whatever. They don't change anything. I mean, we're gonna get a radar Deadpool movie. That's it's gonna be in phase. I think it's the first film of Phase Six. That's gonna be big. But we our Blade. We got a PG thirteen Blade movie. I'm excited for Mustafa Ali. I apologize if I butcher his name. His performance of Blade. But how are you gonna have a Blade movie that's gonna be PG thirteen? I'm. I think they could pull off, but I'm not fond of that. I really believe that this is the time where Marvel's got to say, wait a minute, we got to go back to the drawing board. we got to do this. Now, obviously, Guardians ain't going to, there's not going to be any Rooster Star Guardians. There's not going to, but Marvel's is coming out. And I'll be honest with you, Captain Marvel, that film was horrible. I didn't like that. I mean, it wasn't horrible. It was a good movie, but I just felt like it was just stale and boring. Like, at the end of the year, I'm going to drop on, I'm going to go on Letterboxd and on my Facebook page, I'm going to drop my rankings of the Marvel films from Capriars in the MCU and I'm going to read them off here on here at the end of the year and I'm going to do the same with DC films as well and I just feel like this is just a bad time and bad timing on DC I mean on, on Marvel the movie industry itself is hurting right now with AMC doing their bullshit with the seating and everything else and Regal's talking about doing it and I'm I'm subscribed to Regal's ticket thing if they go that route I'll probably just there's a Cinemark Cinemark right around my um, right around me as well and I thought about going there to watch Scream and changing things up but I just feel like uh, hindsight being 2020 on this man I think I wish Marvel would did something differently and they basically went a Star Wars route with this film and I'm just just hating the show on a siren up I just feel that way so in conclusion guys that is my review on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium um, I hope that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 here next month is a better film and I hope we have a good time with that and just remember as I close the show I don't bullshit I just tell it like it is straight up have a good one y'all <laughs>